Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. And now when Jesus is wrapping up this sermon, he decided to close with a dramatic illustration. And this illustration that Jesus closes this sermon with is a story about two builders who built two very similar looking houses, but houses on which were constructed on two different foundations. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffers. These days, you know, it feels like the world is changing so fast we can't hardly keep up. Cultural standards are constantly shifting, and our country's future is more uncertain than ever. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffers reminds us that even in the midst of volatile times, we can build a firm foundation on Jesus. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to this Friday edition of Pathway to Victory. In my lifetime, I've never witnessed a nation so divided by political posturing and vitriol. At Pathway to Victory, we want nothing more than to draw our nation together in unity. But it's not politics that unites us. Only the water of eternal life will truly satisfy our thirst. The Bible is the firm foundation upon which we stand every day on Pathway to Victory. We are boldly stepping into the rest of this year and seizing every opportunity God gives us to bring light into the darkness. We're bolstered by an impressive matching challenge gift that was set aside by some generous friends of Pathway to Victory. The amount is $500,000. And because of this arrangement, today your generous gift will have twice the impact. Every dollar you give will be matched by these generous friends. With so many families and individuals hopeless and hurting right now, and with our nation and world at a moral crossroads, I'm asking you to stand with Pathway to Victory to share the powerful hope and truth of the gospel with a dark and hurting world. Plus, as a way of saying thanks, we're prepared to send you the brand new children's book I've written for the child in your life. It's a fully illustrated book. It's fun, and it's called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. I'll say more about these opportunities after today's message. But right now, it's time to get started. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. I titled today's message with a question. How firm is your foundation? Early one morning, the residents of a Florida apartment building were awakened to a terrifying sight. As they looked out the window, they saw that the ground underneath the street was collapsing in front of their eyes into what Floridians have come to know as a sinkhole. A sinkhole is a massive uh, pit that is caused when the underlying streams underneath the surface are drained away by a drought, leaving the surface with no support whatsoever. As the apartment dwellers looked out their window, they saw into this ever-expanding pit, uh, falling lawn furniture, the pavement, even automobiles. They realized that their apartment building would be the next to go. Obviously, a sinkhole isn't the best place on which to build an apartment building. In fact, the only thing more foolish than building your residence upon a sinkhole is building your life upon any other thing 
than a commitment to Jesus Christ. And that's the truth of the parable we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. As we continue our series on Jesus' favorite stories, the parables, we're going to look at the parable Jesus told at the end of perhaps the greatest message he ever preached. It's a message, a sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually contained in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in this sermon, Jesus covered every conceivable topic. He talked about the issues of divorce and remarriage. He talked about how to keep the center of your life on the spiritual rather than the material. He talked about how to live a pure life in a corrupt world. He talked about how to pray. He talked about how to respond when you're mistreated by others. And now when Jesus is wrapping up this sermon, he does so in a way that many preachers also in their messages. He decided to close with a dramatic illustration. And this illustration that Jesus closes this sermon with is a story about two builders who built two very similar looking houses, but houses on which were constructed on two different foundations. Let's look at it in verse 24, the story of two builders. Jesus, first of all, talks about what he calls the wise builder. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. Will you underline that word acts in the verse there? Go ahead and underline the word acts because this is key to understanding this passage. The mark of a true disciple of Jesus Christ is not somebody who hears God's word and believes, but a true disciple is someone who believes God's word and obeys. And there's altogether difference between simply hearing and believing and believing and obeying. It's one thing to hear God's word and believe, but it's altogether different to believe and to obey. The great Baptist preacher of yesteryear, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, once said, The common temptation is instead of really repenting, to talk about repentance. Instead of really believing, to talk about belief. Instead of really loving other people, to talk about loving other people. Ladies and gentlemen, what was true more than a hundred years ago is even more true today. I think perhaps the greatest delusion in evangelical Christianity is the idea that intellectual belief is sufficient. That if we simply believe the right set of facts about something, somehow that means we are obedient to the Word of God. We think that about salvation. I think there are many people, many professing Christians, who are going to be in hell one day because of this delusion. We have taught people that if you will simply believe the right set of facts about Jesus Christ, you get to go to heaven. If you believe that he is the perfect son of God, if you believe that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, that if you believe he rose on the third day, if you can just believe those things, you're going to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie out of the pit of hell. The fact is, Satan believes those things. The demons believe those things. Did you know Satan and the demons believe Jesus Christ was the perfect son of God? They believed that he died on the cross for the sins of the world. They did everything they could to prevent him from doing that. 
They believed, Satan and the demons, that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. In fact, Satan and his demons believed those things more than you or I could ever believe them. Because they were there. They witnessed it firsthand. And yet, are they saved? Of course not. It's not enough to believe those facts intellectually. Yes, we have to believe them, but we have to do something with that belief. It's not enough to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. I have to believe that enough to where I kneel in faith one day and cry out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Today I am trusting and clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior. That's what saves a person, to believe enough to obey. The biggest mistake non-Christians make is believing that you can accept Christ's teachings without accepting Christ. That is, try to live some ethical lifestyle without ever embracing the Savior. But equally lethal is the belief among Christians that you can accept Jesus Christ without accepting his teachings. And there are many people in the church today who try to do just that. Oh, yes, I've trusted in Jesus as my Savior. I'm building my life around Him. But then they completely disregard His Word. They completely disobey what He says, for example, about divorce and remarriage. They wake up one morning as Christians and they think, you know, I'm not as happy as I think I ought to be. So I'm going to go find somebody else. Or they completely disregard what Jesus says about not building your life around money, but building it around eternal things. Or they completely disregard what Jesus says about how you're to respond when people mistreat you with forgiveness, not with revenge and bitterness. And somehow they have lulled themselves into a sense that they're followers of Christ, even though they disregard everything Jesus says. The Bible is very clear To hear and not obey is not to hear at all. Notice to whom Jesus addressed this parable. This parable is about everyone who hears the word of God, verse 24, and acts upon those words. And Jesus said that person, the person who actually obeys God's word, may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now this word rock, petra in Greek, is a word that just doesn't refer to a boulder or a stone. You can't build a whole house on a boulder. Instead, it refers to a massive layer of bedrock underneath the topsoil. The person who builds his life around following God is like a person who builds his his life on this solid bedrock of a foundation. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is people change Circumstances change, relationships change, but God's word never changes. The psalmist said, for thy word is settled in heaven forever, O Lord. Psalm 119, 89. And that's why God's word and obedience to it is the only proper foundation on which to build a life. Why was that a wise choice to build his house upon the rock? Look at verse 25, his crisis. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. The storm that Jesus describes here certainly is representative of the storms that come into every one of our lives. Here's a promise Jesus made on John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. 
Jesus promised that. He said, if you live in this world, if you're a follower of mine, it doesn't exempt you from problems, it guarantees problems. In this world, you will have tribulations. But he goes on to say, be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. Or listen again to what he says in in James 1 verse 2. James said, consider it all joy, my brethren, not if, but when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Why do I mention this? Because so many Christians are absolutely shaken to their foundation when problems enter their life. They are surprised whenever they are struck with illness or a loved one becomes ill, when they lose a loved one or a friend through death, or when they go through financial crisis. They wonder, what's going on here, Lord? Have you forgotten about me? Listen to the Apostle Peter's words in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. These are great verses to memorize Peter said, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Peter's saying, quit being surprised when you go through difficult times. The wise man, the man who built his house upon the rock, endured his share of storms, and so will we. But notice the result of this storm. The floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house. It was a fierce storm. This house was disfigured, it was damaged, but it wasn't destroyed. Because, Jesus said, it had been built upon the rock. Or some of you right now who are going through a storm in your life, out of nowhere arose a set of circumstances that a month or two months ago you would have never imagined. You feel the storm. You've been damaged somewhat by the storm. What is the key to surviving the storm? It's having the right foundation. The foundation of obedience regardless of the cost to Jesus Christ. Now contrast this builder to the second builder that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7. He says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them. By the way, the person Jesus is describing here is not an agnostic, an atheist, not somebody who rejects the Scripture. This is somebody who listens to the Word of God. He's seated in church. He's nodding as the pastor talks. He hears. He just doesn't act upon those words. He's like a man who built his house upon the sand. Imagine this second builder. He constructs a house perhaps in the same neighborhood as the first man. Perhaps it has the same square footage. It may be a magnificent structure. In every way, it may appear exactly like that first house. But there's one part of the house nobody sees that marks the difference between the two homes, the foundation. Instead of building this house upon a rock, he chooses to build it upon sand. The problem with sand is sand is shifting. It is transitory. And it certainly cannot bear the weight of an entire house. Jesus says that can be compared to a person who builds his life on anything other than Jesus Christ. There are many Christians today, by all appearances, you're a follower of Christ. 
You're here when the church door is open. You nod in agreement when the preacher preaches. You say all of the right things. You appear just like every other Christian. But in the dark recesses of your heart, where nobody else can see, the truth is you're building your life around something else than Jesus Christ. The real foundation of your life may be the accumulation of money, success in your job. The foundation of your life might be your mate, your children, or a relationship. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Please understand, those aren't bad things. They aren't sinful things. The problem with building your life on any of those things is those things are transitory. They're shifting. They can be easily taken away from you. And when that happens, your life is going to collapse. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When you build your life on anything other than obedience to the unchanging Word of God, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Notice what happened to this man's house. He too went through storms. Verse 27 says, The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and burst against that house. This person who appears to be a believer, acts and talks like a believer, but has a foundation other than Jesus Christ. When the storms beat against his life, When sickness comes, when financial ruin comes, when death comes, that's what happens to the house. The storms burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When people looked at this second house and they watched the storm beat against it, they were absolutely surprised when they saw what happened to it. What had been a massive structure in just an instant collapsed into a rubble. People couldn't imagine that. What happened to a house like that? And the part they couldn't see explained what happened. It had been built on the wrong foundation. The same is true of anybody who builds his house, his life, on anything other than a commitment to Jesus Christ. He was a pioneer evangelist in the 1950s. He started with the Youth for Christ movement and soon began preaching to stadiums filled with 50,000 or more people. At the invitation time, many would come forward accepting Christ as their Savior. You know his name. Or you think you know his name. It's not Billy Graham. The man I'm talking about was a friend of Billy Graham's named Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton began with Billy Graham in the Youth for Christ movement. They preached crusades together. They roomed together on evangelistic trips. He was the up-and-coming evangelist along with Billy Graham. But somewhere in Charles Templeton's ministry, doubts began to nag at him. He began to question the deity of Jesus Christ, the sufficiency of Scripture, But at the top of the list of all of his doubts was, how could a loving God allow somebody to suffer Alzheimer's disease that would destroy his life and devastate families? How would a loving God ever allow that to happen? And because he could not come to grips with the answer, Charles Templeton ended up abandoning his faith. He ended up dying an agnostic at the age of 85 
after a losing battle with Alzheimer's disease. Shortly before he died in 1995, he penned his last book. The title of the book, A Farewell to God. His faith collapsed. What's the difference between Billy Graham and Charles Templeton? When Billy Graham was a young man and his friend Charles Templeton began bombarding him with questions, questions about his faith, Billy Graham began to have doubts as well. But according to his own testimony, one night he knelt down before God, gripping his Bible, and he said, Dear God, I don't understand everything in this book, but by faith, I'm going to accept this book as your inspired word, and I'm going to build my life around it. One man whose faith fell, one man whose faith continues, all because it's built around the unchangeable truth of God's word. Notice how Jesus concludes this story. He finishes with that great climax about the second house that fell. Verse 28, how did the audience respond? The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. When Jesus finished with that great illustration about the two houses, people said, wow, we've never heard a message like that. That was a great story. Man, I wish we could hear him every week and not the preacher we're stuck with. (laughs) Hopefully no one here thinks that. But notice in these final two verses, even though they were amazed, there is no evidence that they responded, that they obeyed what they heard. What about you? You've heard the word of God today. Do you believe it? Do you believe enough to obey it? Let me ask you a real personal question. What's the real foundation of your life? In the secret recesses of your heart, what is it you're really striving after? What are you building your life upon? Is it on sand? Or is it on the truth of God's Word? Honestly, neither I nor anybody else can answer that question. We can't tell what your foundation is. Not yet, anyway. But when the storms of life begin to beat against you, and they will if they're not already, your foundation will become evident to everyone. It's my prayer that you are building your house on the solid rock of God's Word. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, before we wrap up the week, let me share an encouraging letter I received from a man who hears our program in Chicago. Ted wrote, Pastor Jeffress, Pathway to Victory has really changed my life. I was caught up in a very ungodly lifestyle, but hearing Pathway to Victory and reading God's Word caused me to take a U-turn in my life and accept salvation in Jesus Christ. I am so grateful for your ministry. Isn't that fabulous? This program has become a moral compass for people who are lost in the darkness. And when you give to Pathway to Victory, God is using your generosity to touch people like Ted with the truth of His Word. 
And remember, because of the Gospel Advance Matching Challenge, your investment in Pathway to Victory is automatically matched and therefore doubled in size. And the deadline, July 4th, is right around the corner. To adequately thank you for your generous gift today, I'm prepared to send you the brand new book I mentioned earlier. It's especially written and illustrated for the child in your life. My book is called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. Stories appeal to people of all ages and stages, right? And it's no wonder that Jesus employed parables or stories to communicate His truth. Plus, He never excluded children. He said, Allow the children to come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Well, this gracious statement from Jesus is what compelled me to write this brand new book for your kids and grandkids. In my book, I'll share 10 easy Bible lessons that will carry them throughout their lives. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new book by Dr. Jeffress called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you both the CD and DVD sets for our current series called The Parables, Jesus' Favorite Stories. And don't forget, every dollar you give right now will be doubled by our Gospel Advance Matching Challenge. So be sure to contact us today. Again, our toll-free number, 866-999-2965, or you could always find us online at ptv.org. If you'd like to get in touch with us by mail, here's that address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us again next week when Dr. Jeffress continues his series called The Parables, Jesus' Favorite Stories. That's Monday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.